Hi, and welcome to Let's Look. I'm Emily Van Meter, and today we will be talking to Annie Everts. She is a current MFA student at Ohio University. Her current work focuses on the buckskin girl true crime case, and she is generally interested in the idea of the spectacular. Enjoy! photo and integrated media program. It's uh, allegedly October 18th, 2022. <laughs> yeah. And I'm a third year graduate student at OU. Perfect. Okay. So what overarching themes, if any, does your photography focus on? Work with a lot of subliminal themes. I mean, just mm-hmm. based off of the subject matter of this, the particular project I've been working on for three years and the body of work that I applied to OU with. Mm -hmm. Um, I like subject matter that involves spectacle and then I like poking and prodding and interrogating what that spectacle is and what's kind of going on below the surface. Yeah. Like... An example would be the, the project I was working on before I entered graduate school was in, um, in a border town, Needles, California, that's on the border of Arizona and California. And I spent a lot of time with people who had put themselves in a highly religious program that sought to treat like drug addiction, homelessness, mental illness, with like very little resources. And um, their recovery plan relied heavily on the teachings of Jesus Christ and not therapy or AA or any sort of counseling. Um, And without hierarchizing what would be more beneficial to certain people Mm -hmm. in that program, um, I was really infatuated with this, what appeared to be um, this coming to Jesus moment for a lot of the residents. Uh, what I was more interested in was the idea that you had to essentially play that part to be a resident there. Mm-hmm. And um, in between these Bible verse classes or getting baptized in Lake Havasu, I'd be really interested in the kid that was trying to like steal away with their rehab girlfriend and like make out behind the corner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's who that those are the people that I was really interested in. Mm-hmm. So it's like what drew me there were uh, was this idea of salvation, why I stayed mm-hmm. was just the complexity of the human spirit in certain spectacular situations and how spectacle can be unwoven very quickly and and we're all pretty much the same and we all have similar needs Mm -hmm. for um, despite the circumstance we're in so I think similarly with Buckskin there was a murder that went unabsolved Mm -hmm. until now. And I'm really curious about its portrayal online. Um, I'm curious about parasocial relationships that uh, 
allow strangers to have these um, fleeting but real sincere feelings towards mm-hmm. someone they don't know. Um, so yeah, I guess I guess the undoing of spectacle would be like yeah. a big theme, which is funny because that's a big critique in photography. It's like making a spectacle out of someone outside of mm-hmm. yourself. Um, and I like to play with that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of what I like to deal with. It's like it's almost like transgressive topics. Um, yeah, the undoing of what you might assume are transgressive mm-hmm. topics. Yeah. So like you're revealing the underbelly of everything that we see as like awe-inspiring. Yeah, and and also like kind of acknowledging that spectacle is real yeah you know and that we're attracted to it um Mm -hmm. and i think true crime is the perfect thing to project upon because it's a humongous industry everybody loves true crime right there's podcasts films like seminal books and now netflix consists mostly of these kind of like unsolved Mm -hmm. murder mystery type things and it's like what why why yeah um because it seems to buck up against the way we live our lives which Mm -hmm. is this seeking out of security in all forms and yet we get to kind of indulge from the privacy of our own homes Mm -hmm. on our couch with our loved ones the the um the total opposite of that yeah (laughs) yeah so, with Buckskin, right, your current project that you've yeah. been working on throughout grad school, yeah. could you elaborate a little bit more on that topic, like, of what you've been photographing, if it is this, like, unsolved mystery, and you're, like, uh, absorbing its presence online, like, what are you shooting? What are you focused on? It was funny because the way I encountered it was really you know anything is serendipitous when you're looking for it Mm -hmm. and I was looking for something that would kind of hold my attention for three years because I wanted to make an entirely new body of work while I was here and when I came across buckskin more than any aspect any true element of the case that I had read about online it was more that I wanted to poke and prod at you know, Buckskin was the post-mortem nickname granted to an otherwise kind of unidentifiable female in 1981 that mm. was found strangled to death on the side of a rural road in Troy. Um, Troy, Ohio? Yeah. Oh my gosh, I've been there. Yeah. So when I first encountered this photo and, and before I had done any sort of research, I assumed that Buckskin Girl was some sort of like anti-hero that I had missed in yeah. history. Yeah, but I, I mean that's what it sounds like. I thought she was like a bank robber or something. Mm-hmm. And when I clicked the link corresponding to this photo that I found online, it ended up being this Wikipedia page about this unsolved murder. Mm-hmm. Um, and prior to knowing her true identity, the investigating officers referred to her as Buckskin Girl because she was found in a buckskin coat. There was no ID, no no any identifiable characteristic, yeah. and she was a Jane Doe for 37 years until 2018 wow. when genetic testing kind of gave her her name back. Okay. But it was weirdly, and I've written about this a lot, it was more so wanting to prod at 
well, what does it mean then to be a buckskin girl mm. in this in the space that I encountered it, yeah. in the space where I had hoped to encounter this anti-hero that I had mm-hmm. missed in history, and then being met with the information at hand, which was, no, she's not an anti-hero. Yeah. She was a victim of a crime that's gone unsolved. Mm-hmm. Um, Who was given this faux name that yeah. like almost sounds... And a strange legacy that she wasn't able to kind of mm-hmm. author herself. Obviously, it, you know, and that's the nature of all kind of true crime victims, mm-hmm. um, especially when the American public has this kind of insatiable appetite for that. What would it mean to be a, like, taken out of context, what would it mean to be a buckskin girl? Mm-hmm. And so I've started photographing. Um, I needed to find a way to abstract details of the case because I've always wanted to retain this woman's anonymity Mm -hmm. so I started going to places like for example um on guard self-defense oh yeah yeah where women go to this um woman owned and operated shooting range to learn how to use um weapons and learn how to do hand-to-hand combat and I think I was interested in that because it was a way to acknowledge violence mm-hmm. in a general way and acknowledge a need to defend oneself yeah. <laughs> in a general way. Mm-hmm. Um, which, and not to say that the fate of Buckskin Girl would have been any different. It's not that. Mm-hmm. It's just that it was how to kind of interrogate interrogate this violence. Yeah. And also in a way that almost rewrote the ending in a way. If yeah. this project is its own entity and I'm the common thread, like it was kind of interesting to me to, to go witness something like this. And like, you know, maybe not so abstractly, I went to um, this local artist, uh, her tan hiding workshop. Mm, yeah. And I found through attending those workshops that, like, to procure buckskin is a days-long, labor-intensive process that, when done correctly, yields one of the toughest and most durable Mm -hmm. materials known to man. So that was, like, that was this, like, another thing at this, another uh, attempt to kind of, like, photograph this sort of legacy mm-hmm. so that felt really important to me yeah does it have anything to do with the case not at all no but it has it has something to do with this abstract idea that you that was influenced by yeah. this case and by the yeah. non-identity of this woman right and there was so the the people that kind of um there, it was mostly women at the workshop and mm-hmm. women of like varying ages and backgrounds yeah. and they all kind of did this in freezing temperatures mm-hmm. <laughs> last November and it was like there's I think several stages and, and aspects of, of mm-hmm. uh, producing buckskin and it's just this incredibly beautiful process mm-hmm. and then they all walk away with a piece of this fabric yeah for them to do with whatever they want. Wow. But I thought a lot about legacy, and I thought about that sort of legacy compared to the sort of manufactured legacy um, scored by strangers online that mm-hmm. get to 
comment and then leave this virtual yeah. space and most of those comments had to do with her beauty and her um, youth yeah. and um, like an, a, an interrogation of maybe the qualities that led to her murder in the first yeah. place which was being trusting like and what then, did she do right and then conversely you have this buckskin mm-hmm. the fabric that takes a lot of fucking work yeah. and that le- that lasts for a really long time mm-hmm. and that is tough um, and that is extracted or procured through yeah. really kind of... Um, Hard work. Yeah. Yeah. So just that kind of... <laughs> yeah. That's sort of my logic in all of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it all, it all fits together almost like a puzzle. Yeah. Like an abstracted Exactly. Puzzle. You know, because there is, I mean, with Marcia King's case, like, it's... Yeah, it's tragic. I mean, the more you kind of read mm-hmm. about it, and the, the less you know. And it's, um, you know, and, 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 like, reveling in the details of her case has, like, not never been an interest of mine. Because yeah. it's pretty cut and dry at this mm-hmm. point and like a lot of suffering went on it's been and a discovered. Lot of, yeah, yeah but there's something there that I felt compelled to examine photographically mm-hmm. yeah um, which is funny because I think with photography it's biggest criticism is that it's pretending to be something it's not mm-hmm. in having this kind of machine that is said to reflect reality when really like I know that that's not the yeah. case at all and that um, the photographer's hand can be manipulative and that people perform for, mm-hmm. it, it's just it is actually the perfect medium to explore something like yeah. this so switching gears just a little bit okay. where did you do your undergrad I well I did it at um, Cal State LA mm-hmm. and it was a got like a liberal arts degree yeah I went back to school really late after like mm-hmm. fucking off for a very mm-hmm. very long time and some somehow in that fucking off I had managed to finish two years of undergrad and so I had two years left yeah so when I got clean I decided to go back to school and I knew I wanted to read a lot and write a lot yeah. because I felt very behind mm-hmm. um so I did this liberal arts degree interdisciplinary program that had me in a cultural studies program, an American studies program, mm-hmm. um, and I finished in two years, and it was like a really, it was a freaky experience. I had no, I've had no like art training or art classes, yeah. so, wow. but it definitely factors into what I'm doing now, because it was this sort of like anthrop- anthropology, sociology mm-hmm. based courses, yeah. um, and this was well before I had really picked up a camera in mm-hmm. any serious way. But I see now how they're totally intertwined. Yeah. So why why an MFA? Why OU? As an intertwined question. It's hard to answer because I, you know, before three years ago, I would have never, I never thought of myself as a photographer mm-hmm. or an artist or somebody with any interest whatsoever in pursuing higher education mm-hmm. um, I think my maybe encountering my boyfriend had a lot to do with it mm-hmm. um, thanks Billy yeah thanks Billy <laughs> um, 
you know, there was a switch where I decided that I should take this thing that I had done in secret for a long time um, in, in varying degrees of serious, mm -hmm. seriousness, mostly not, that I wanted to um, give myself the gift of, of learning how to do this thing that had been really private and secret yeah. um, for the first time. And so when COVID happened, it all kind of came together. And yeah. OU was free in Ohio. I was really ready to get out of Los Angeles mm -hmm. and treat grad school like trade school yeah. and learn the technical side of mm -hmm. photography because I know that the feeling and the drive had always been there, mm -hmm. but I really needed to backpedal and learn yeah learn the machine that I was using mm -hmm. and I think that's like a lifelong process but yeah I just wanted to shoot my shot and mm -hmm. so I want I came to OU yeah through a weird series of signs that I, <laughs> I interpreted as signs and so I committed to it mm -hmm. do you view yourself as an artist now or more as a documentarian um I think now more than ever as an artist yeah yeah um Yeah. Good. Yeah. <laughs> so what audience, if, I mean, I guess if any, right, are you trying to reach? Or is this like such a close to your heart project that you're making it for you and in turn like the buckskin girl? I don't know. I'm never making for any sort of audience. I think mm -hmm. the biggest hurdle with me was like allowing myself to acknowledge that I wanted to make shit in the first place. Yeah. And that also the impulse to share it with people was okay. Yeah. Um, I don't necessarily I don't know if there's an audience for this. I know that there are people that will kind of understand the nuances and intricacies mm -hmm. of what I, I set out to do. Yeah. Um, but no, I'm never making for, I, that was never my battle. I don't yeah. care. I don't, I just frankly don't give a fuck mm -hmm. um, if people are into it or not. Yeah. I think my biggest lesson was just allowing myself to even get to this point. Mm -hmm. to allow myself to make work and to share it. And yeah. I've, I've, ha I've been forced to do that in grad school, mm -hmm. and it's kind of um, imbued this confidence in me that wasn't always there. Yeah. And that was not through people receiving my work well. It was through literally the action of doing it Yeah, and allowing myself to open up in that way and also understanding that that was always kind of there and that mm -hmm. I was always my biggest opponent in yeah. putting ma making work and and then sharing it. Yeah. Instead of it rotting in my drawer or mm -hmm. on my computer. Yeah. You're really just you're displaying it. That's your act of like reaching for an audience. Totally. It's like whoever wants to see it, it can. A hundred percent really yeah. the rest is not yeah. in my hands. Or it's or just up to, to me. whoever cares. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Um yeah. But it has yielded like cool, interesting conversations, yeah. and it has, um, yeah, it's not so much about the finished product at this point, which is funny because mm -hmm. I'm gearing up for my thesis show in April, but it really has been this allowance um, 
to just go and yeah. like a setting that kind of like promotes that mm-hmm. um, because the real project has been in all my encounters behind the scenes and all of these places yeah. I've been and the people that I've encountered mm-hmm. and the trips that I've made and um, I've made a shit ton of mistakes and will likely continue to do so but um, yeah so you've talked a lot about how it's like going to grad school was your choice to allow yourself to pursue something that you wanted to do is that like the moment where you were like okay I can be an artist this is what I want to do no I think it probably happened like last week legit (laughs) probably because because doing that has been it's like doing that required me facing a lot of fears that are like have been long held Mm -hmm. within myself which are this sense of like ineptness that yeah. I don't know what I'm doing mm-hmm. that I don't have the capacity to learn certain techniques that might liberate mm-hmm. that feeling like it was it's always been kind of me yeah. versus me but I think in getting through all of my academic courses surviving critique yeah opening myself up for the first time learning that I wasn't at all at a deficit not had yeah. having any sort of prior formal art training mm-hmm. um and allowing myself to get through these really kind of sticky moments with myself where I've just really wanted to pack it up and fuck off and go home and get back to work. Um, Allowing myself the dignity of doing this gracelessly has been the thing that has made me more comfortable referring to myself as an artist now. Yeah, allowing yourself to say, okay, I can do this. Yeah, because I I am doing it. Yeah. And I've done it. Yeah, and I'm going to finish this project Mm -hmm. and I have this new sense of it's interesting like I think with grad school or school in general like you you go through the motions and then you're exhausted and Mm -hmm. I hear so frequently that people don't make work after they graduate for years and years Mm -hmm. because it's stifled their spirit in some sort of way I feel entirely the opposite Mm -hmm. I feel like I had to go through this to kind of like legitimize myself to myself and now I don't think that will ever turn off Mm -hmm. if it's something that I keep pursuing yeah if it's a way that earns money it's like not it doesn't matter it doesn't it can be it doesn't have to be yeah that's not I'm not making moves towards that whatsoever but it is this thing that kind of like fulfills me and moves Mm -hmm. me and like turns me on and that is like that is the path that's the yeah. only path I've ever wanted to be in yeah so that's what I'm gonna do do you see yourself in your work is this like oh yeah 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 totally you, yeah you've connected yourself into like this realm and it's is yeah. do you find it self-reflective where you're like actively as you continue to look deeper into the project you're like oh my gosh yeah, I think it always was, and it is, like, it's, um, it's funny, because I go to a lot of, I go to school with a lot of people that work with their family archive, and, and do self-portraits, yeah. and I don't think that, I hope the way that I've done it, and I hope, in a, I hope that that's in a way that, like, preserves this person's honor, or, you know, it, it's it's this is a complicated project to comment about because it is someone else's plight, yeah. right? Um, I think the fin the finished product will have 
nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think it has a lot to do with my personal grappling with um, themes deeply embedded within the case. Yeah. That I think are maybe self-reflexive or like... Yeah. And they're, they're complicated to talk about and they're complicated to think about and I think that's why I rely heavily on the camera mm-hmm. to kind of like fill in that gap. Yeah. So, what, if we're thinking in terms of like beginner, coming up, established, do you, where do you see yourself in that? What do you think of those terms in more of like a broad way? I mean, certainly beginner. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, and it's funny, I can think about it subjectively, but if I pull out and, like, mm-hmm. it's, like, you know, what established is likely, like, what, having gallery shows, having representation. Yeah. What does it mean? Making a living off of your art. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm at the, I'm at the very, very, very beginning, and I'm 33, you know? Um, and that's very cool. that is very cool to me yeah yeah it's like your whole life has led to this yeah, like it's, point it's cool and it's all you know there's been so much that's preceded this too that mm-hmm. it, it's not if I'm look back like in retrospect it's not so surprising that I'm here but I'm yeah. really glad I am because it almost didn't feel like it was my idea mm-hmm. to some extent yeah but I'm glad that things played out and I, I needed kind of all of those years to yeah. be the pre-beginning, you know? Uh-huh. Um, it's funny, I was working production in Los Angeles, and I remember I was freelance, which meant I had no security and yeah. wasn't getting good wages. And I remember that on the second movie I ever worked on, there was an opportunity. The show flipped, essentially, and I had the opportunity to join the, a union. And I passed that opportunity up because I didn't feel like I had earned it. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone thought I was a fool. Mm-hmm. And I, on some level, they're totally fucking right. Um, it's like get into the union, get good pay, yeah. and then learn later Like if this is something you're committing to. But I've always been like that. Like I need to... I guess, I don't know... I need to take myself seriously before anybody else yeah. is. And I didn't before want... Before you expect anybody else to. Yeah, and I didn't want to use this trap door to kind of... Um, yeah, get... It wasn't about the pay, and yeah. it's not about that now. So mm-hmm. it's like, I guess doing things in a, in a correct order, and I didn't give myself the opportunity to when I was younger mm-hmm. because I was really outside myself in a lot of yeah. ways. So... Um, yeah. So what would you, like someone who's interested in your practice or your process, or you to know, to know about you? Hmm. I don't know. I think my process is really cool. I, w- I wish, yeah, more, you know, photography is a highly solitary art. Mm-hmm. Um, and really people only get to meet, it's the finished work and yeah. it's a shame because the the life of it is in its construction yeah and that means I'm in my car a lot and that means I'm um, 
putting myself in <laughs> various situations that people might yeah. might be interested in. I don't know, um, and I get to, you know, I think it on some level to do a certain type of photo work is to choose to live your life in a certain way. Yeah. Um, I feel like I'm talking in code now. But no, it's like, no, I understand. It's like I get to go places that are unfamiliar to me. I get to mm -hmm. engage with people that are unfamiliar to me. Yeah. I get to establish relationships in that way. That's how I learn. Um, it involves a lot of silence and dread and fucking up and um, conversations with people yeah. it's thankless in a lot of ways it's, mm -hmm. it's expensive yeah and it's funny because the goal then you'd think that to be an artist then puts a high premium on the finished product because mm -hmm. that's what you get to share with people yeah. when really like I'm so much more interested in all of the things that precede that yeah in a big way because that's my life mm -hmm. that's just living my life yeah um, and I mean I've known you for years <laughs> and I have I never knew that buckskin happened in Troy. Yeah. Like, you're... Because right. I've always known that you've been, like, obsessed with this area, and I've never understood why. But, yeah, yeah I mean, so much of your work is focused in, like, in landscape. Yeah. It's, like, embedded in yeah. where you are. And Dude, that's something yeah. that you just, like, don't get to... Almost, like, don't have the ability to share outside of the singularity of the photo. It's so funny because I was talking to my boyfriend about, I was talking to him about work he's done and his work happened kind of all across the country and was more open in a way. Mm -hmm. I do really well when I'm visiting somewhere with boundaries. Like I don't like having yeah. the world as my oyster to go photograph. Mm -hmm. Like I'm, I, so this project has actually been really counterintuitive to me because I'm not the I think I probably have one image from Troy yeah you know I've been there to the historical library mm -hmm. and to drive around but Troy really in the end is of no consequence yeah. to me and I've shot it in various places around Ohio um, but I don't know. That's where like the sociology comes in. Mm -hmm. As like disgusting as that is to admit, I like to go to somewhere that is confined with yeah. boundaries and with like a fixed number of people. Mm -hmm. I don't because there's so much in that. Because yeah. people are so. Then it's like the parasocial relationships online. It's yeah. Like, then connect almost plugging it into like this broad. Well, and weirdly too, like you have to remember, like coming from LA, like. It's actually so interesting to pick up on the nuances of each mm. place I visit, right? Yeah. Like, because Athens is nothing like Lancaster, it's mm -hmm. nothing like Columbus, it's nothing like Troy, yeah. it's nothing like fucking wherever in between, like, and, I mean, that's where, like, it was really, like, the, my interest in this project can be best whittled down into this, like, triangulation of Marcia King being regarded as a deer, in her status as a Jane Doe, which was very real, yeah. with her postmortem nickname, uh, Buckskin Girl, and in a press conference, her stepmother refers to her as a deer getting loose in the woods for the first time. And I knew that the Ohio's like state animal was the yeah. deer. 
know? Yeah. Like, and so it's just like kind of trying to pursue that in a very tripped out way. Yeah. But yeah, I like, after this, I probably will never do something so fucking out of bounds again. I yeah. Like, I, like, <laughs> I like visiting somewhere that's fixed yeah. and changing and kind of like seeing what happens there because mm-hmm. there's enough, typically enough there for me to kind of meditate on. But this was like mm-hmm. too daunting for me. Like, I, but you did it. You're <laughs> we'll doing see. it actively. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Okay, well, thank you very much. Yay. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time at Let's Look.